scheming rats, I turn my back for one second. Tyson, it's fine. It's not fine. Don't ever do that again. Do what? I just... I told you not to fuss, but you just won't listen, will you? Now someone has got into the lab. No one got into the lab, Tyson. I just checked. No one stands guard except you. Do you understand? You make sure the lab is secure and leave me to look after myself. So welcome to Series 2, Episode 8 of Conversational Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Carlin. What up? With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 2, Episode 8, the screenplay was done by Robin Charteris. It was directed by John Reed. And the episode synopsis were read out by Carlin. Under pressure from Alice, Ty Sand finally admits she is sick. But her refusal to stop working could prove deadly when her impaired sense of smell prevents her from detecting a gas leak in the lab. Danny develops an interest in Jack and Ellie's investigations. While Patsy secures a job as Brady's childminder with dangerous consequences. Okay, panel, let's jump straight into by talking about Patsy because she starts off this episode complaining about being bossed around by Ebony off screen, but she then bumps into KC, discovers that he has been taking photographs of Ty San's lab. But rather than reporting him, she makes him run errands for her in exchange for her silence. So yeah, panel, what did you make of Patsy's behaviour here? Do you think it was reasonable or do you think she, the powers begin to corrupt her a little bit too much? She was enjoying herself. She'd been told what to do all the time. And here she is, in a place of power, having the chance to let someone else do her dirty work for once. You know? So yeah, I think she was just enjoying herself while she had something over someone else that she could use. Yeah, when you give someone the power to do what they always wanted, you find out what they always wanted. Patsy just wants to be able to boss someone else around. <laughs> Instead of being the one being bossed around. It's petty, it's childish, it's very in character. Suitable for her age. Yep. Yeah, it's clear here that Tyson's influence has, is affecting everybody in the tribe. Um, it also goes to, goes to show that um, I think every character on this show, um, whether they be a, a nice person or a bad person, everyone kind of has an interior motive and and they want something in return. Whether it's small or big, but... Everyone does want something. We had the dynamic of a brother and sister. Like, if you caught your sibling doing something they're not supposed to, and they're like, please don't tell mom and dad. And what do you do with that? You're like, well, I don't feel like doing the dishes after dinner. <laughs> and it's time to extort. I'm like, I'll do your dishes. <laughs> Just don't tell mom. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you have to do my dishes for three days, and I won't say anything. You know, it's just sibling currency, you know. Yeah, and that's how they're living, like siblings. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. It didn't feel like dark or, oh, she's so corrupted. Like, um, I think she would have done this regardless. Like, this is just the way these these kids interact with each other, you know? They traded chores in season one, you know? Um, that's funny. Next time, the next time Ebony blackmails somebody over some information, I'm just going to say she's just being a big sister. <laughs> yeah, but that's different. Ebony's of an age... <laughs> Where she knows that it's wrong, whereas Patsy is still allowed the tiny things of childhood <laughs> that make mm, it she's normal for her to do enough. this. Hmm? I said she's old enough to know what blackmail is. 
I think the way Ebony extorts people compared to what Patsy's doing right now are not comparable. Sure. Yeah. One smaller than the other, but. All Patsy wants is going, please get me a drink. Ebony's extortion hurts people. Hers, hers does damage. They're not the same. At least not in my eyes. I can understand that. One's very, you know, small in mine, but it all starts somewhere. Yeah, but come on, making someone make you hot chocolate. That's like saying if a if kid steals a candy bar, then they're going to grow up to be a master thief because mm-hmm. it's a gateway crime. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Very true. I guess my, my issue is more like, it's not the extortion of KC. It's more she just wouldn't, she didn't tell anyone that the older kids what he'd done because it's actually quite serious. Yeah, that's a very careless uh dangerous thing but again it feels like something a kid would do uh, an assumption a child would make like in the way Casey doesn't assume that the things he's doing in the lab could be dangerous like messing with things um, I'm not surprised that he wouldn't think that far ahead I'm not surprised that uh, Patsy would look at this and just make the assumption that of course Casey's sneaking around in there but it's not like he's gonna find out anything you know what I mean like that's clearly where her brain is and she doesn't see any real harm in it again not smart because you know, an adult or an older person would recognize that there could that could be a problem, but she's just thinking like a kid, like, yeah, he's never going to figure that out. That's just something Casey would do. Of course, he's going to try and find the answer, but he probably won't. So who cares, you know, and not thinking ahead, you know. She doesn't see it as something big and dangerous. You know, remember season one with Chloe and Bray, you know, see, she knew she was seeing something dangerous. Bray asked her not to tell she didn't tell anyone about Zoot. I was going to say, that's, that's the difference between the younger kids. Like, if Chloe yeah. had been in that situation, she would have told. Yeah, but, you know, Patsy has never been one to instantly go tell someone unless it was in her benefit. Yeah. It's, it does go to show her kind of upbringing and personality, yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious. I wonder how Chloe would have responded in that position. Because I find it harder to believe that Chloe would ignore... The potential danger of Casey's behavior because she and Patsy are very different that way. Like, I'm not surprised that Patsy ignored it, but I would be surprised if Chloe had, if she'd been, you know, in that position instead and just said, oh, whatever, you know. I feel like <laughs> Chloe would have been more like, mm-hmm. what are you doing, Casey? She would have called him out, you know, they might have had an argument about it or something. He would have had to try to convince her that what he, you know, did wasn't a big deal or whatever. Um, yeah, but Chloe has already realized the danger of keeping such secrets. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think that's interesting yeah. about them, that she would definitely respond differently, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting for actually, like, looks like, go back to, like, um, Patsy's behavior. Like, do you, you think she'd done this with Paul before? It doesn't kind of feel like she, she would have, but... Well, look at what they did to Jack. Oh, you know what? She has. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, well, Jack, she has. She was totally blackmailing him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. I was just trying to picture her with Paul doing the same thing next week. <laughs> on your dynamic you have with a sibling. Like, um, some siblings are kind of the pet of the family. Uh, like, they're the cricket on the hearth. They're the Beth. Nobody plays pranks on them. You know, they're just, they're the gentle sibling that everybody is very sweet to. And there's just things you would never do to that sibling because it's just, it's kind of like the rule, you know. Um, I have a cousin who's like that. Like, she's the baby. Everybody, you know, pampers her. We just all adore her. We let her get away with murder. I don't know why. Maybe she just looks really cute and always has. (laughs) She's just always had that role. Um, 
so like I treat my brothers a little differently, even though they're very close in age. One is my baby brother. One is my little brother. I can fight with my little brother. You know, even when we were little, we'd punch it out and get it out. And that we were on equal footing. That's how we saw each other. But my baby brother, I would never do that with my baby brother. He's the one I have to protect and stuff like that. <laughs> so um, it's possible that Patsy never looked at Paul like she was very protective of Paul. So there's things she would have never done to him because he was a pet of the family, you know, and as just a theory, like a possibility, because we don't ever see her be that way with Paul personally. Then again, she never tries to extort Chloe either. So maybe she just thinks it's okay to do to certain people, you know. People she knows she can manipulate. Like Jack. <laughs> Jack who's hiding food. Oh, okay. I can. T- and he's not nice to me and my brother. And he won't give us food when we want it. Then in her mind, it's totally okay to extort him and do that. <laughs> you know, Casey. She's always had a problem with Casey. And she, Casey's always getting into trouble. So in her mind, he's an okay to person to do that to. She'd never do it to Chloe, though, you know. The miracle cure from Bray. Thanks. How are you feeling, Tessan? Anyone would think I was dying. What you need is lots of rest and pampering. Just put your feet up and leave everything to me. To us. An ill Tessan is forced to admit that she's not well after Alice catches her out by giving her flowers that she can't smell. And she finally agrees to take the antidote while Alice and Danny share the role of protecting both Tessan and the lab in order to keep Ebony and her militia from muscling in. But yeah, panel, like, were any of you surprised that Tai San finally took the antidote and, like, couldn't heal herself? Um, and yeah, how much of a threat did you think Ebony posed during that moment? I didn't think Ebony was much of a threat. It was just reminding us that she has this goal. We, you know, it's just a reminder that Ebony's goal is to get her hands on that antidote. <laughs> just want to remind you that that's an issue to set up the plot of this, you know, just remind us that everybody still wants this stuff. They're still not pleased with the fact that Tyson's the only one who has it. So I didn't think she was too much of a threat in this episode. Just just reminding us that she's mold. She's still growing behind the walls. She's there. You're going to have to deal with that. Um, yeah, Ebony didn't really have that big of a role this episode, which is kind of surprising. But uh, but yeah, every every episode, she's a she's a threat to the mall rats. And it's always reminded. Um, but it's, it's great that she's living with them all, though, because at that point, they know what she's up to. Yes, he's one of those keep your enemies close. Yeah. It also is meant to dull, uh, what is that? A false sense of security. It's meant to dull your senses of the threat that Ebony actually poses. If you keep just reminding us, you know, in these quiet ways that she's there, but she's not succeeding yet at what she wants you're going to be surprised when she finally gets her leverage. You're not going to be prepared for when she finally gets her leverage. Mm-hmm. You knew this is what she was trying to do, but you were lulled into a false sense of security about it. Like, oh, she'll never be able to. And then so when she does, you're like, oh, why didn't I see this coming? And it's like, because you kept ignoring it. You just got used to her doing this. Um, so that's really smart writing, I think. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, Tyson finally taking that antidote. And I don't think I was surprised per se, because she's making it, so she knows exactly what's in it. And because she knows it's fully herbal, she's willing to take it. Well, she won't even admit to herself that she's got the virus. Yeah. She still refuses to even accept that. <laughs> yeah, but she knows it won't, you know, taking this won't hurt her. And, well, if it shuts the other two up, then that's what she'll do to get them off her back. That doesn't sound like time, Santa. <laughs> yeah, she's so stubborn. 
I am really curious as to what's going on in the back of Tai San's mind about all this because it's <laughs> never addressed. Um, tai San believed she had the virus. Um, mm -hmm. She believed that and she believed she cured herself from it. And so much that she believed this, she, she told Lex, don't take that stuff from Hope Island. I can cure you. I cured myself. You can do the same thing. Um, she was still in denial when Lex came back and clearly wasn't cured and was forced to take the stuff from Hope Island. And even then, she was still clinging to it. Like, when he started getting better, she's like, I cured him. And it's like, no, you didn't, Tyson. It is so obvious that you didn't cure him. But she, she's clinging to it. She's clinging to this belief that she must be right about this. All the way to finding the actual formula and getting rid of it before she even knows she can make this stuff. Before she's even at least tried it. And because she doesn't believe it should be able to work anyway. And... All of this and just refusing to take it because, again, even though she was the one who made it, she remembers she never takes it. Mm -hmm. And now I just think it's interesting that here she is and it's like she's clearly sick and she's just willing to say, fine, I'll take this to get better. I'll take it because it'll make you guys shut up. But I can't help but wonder if somewhere in her mind she knows she was wrong all along. She doesn't want to admit it, but she knows she was wrong. And she has no choice but to take this stuff. It's easier for her to swallow because she made it. But if you still don't believe you have the virus and you still don't believe that an antidote's necessary for it, why would you take it, Tysan? I just mm -hmm. want to walk inside her brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe she's not conscious of it, which could lead to why she has like the biggest ego in all of the of the entire series. Um, yeah, she's very stubborn wouldn't go that far but i i just found it very interesting that she it's never addressed it's never brought up it's almost like they forgot season one happened in her behavior with this stuff and she just lays down okay fine i'm sick i'll take it if it'll make you people happy and i'm like wow that's a role reversal for yeah. you i mean you weren't even afraid that you could die before when you were sick and uh, now you're you just you just want to get Alice and Danny off your back so you'll take this. I'm like, you must be feeling really terrible. You must mm -hmm. be feeling really bad and convinced. You've been convinced by now that this stuff is necessary. You're not going to admit it. You're never going to admit you were wrong. But um, yeah, I just found that very, that was the thing that got me. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, but this whole thing with Alice taking care of her, it's the first time someone's actually taken care of this girl. At least that's how it looks to me. You know, she's not used to that. She isn't used to it, which is why she lashes out at Alice later. But um, mm -hmm. I don't think that has anything to do with her taking it. I just don't. I I feel like she realized somewhere along the way that she was wrong, you know. Um, but she she's never going to be able to admit that out loud. So she just continues as if she never had made that declaration, which people do. People mm -hmm. do that a lot. You know, they'll make a really bad, like, hot take on something. And then when they're proven wrong, they're not going to address it. They'll just silently change their mind, but not tell anybody or ex express the fact that I was wrong before. You know, um, like I see you, Tyson. <laughs> these are a good start, a very good start. But there's one thing your pictures don't show us. And that's how she measures the blend. So we've still got to go in the lab. Only one problem. What? Well, how do we get into the lab when Alice, the big unfriendly giant, is on guard? Um, okay, we'll, we'll come back to Tyson again in a moment, but um, Casey's scheme of the photographs. Um, so he ends up showing Lex his, the outcome of his plans, 
Um, but Alexa discovers that they still need more information about how the antidote is actually made, which means gain, gain access to the lab itself. Casey plans to take advantage of Alice's fondness for Lex and succeeds in distracting her long enough to get inside. So yeah, panel, again, we've talked quite a lot about obviously Casey's planning skills, but what do you think, think of this plan? And did you think Alice was a bit naive to fall for it? This freaking plan. Um, <laughs> this plan. I I guess it's okay as far as a plot device. You know, I mean that's the only reason this is happening. So we can move the plot forward to Tyson being forced to have to share the antidote. That's the only reason why this happens. We have to put Tyson mm-hmm. in danger. So that choice has to come up. So fine, I guess as a plot device, this is this works. Um, it's not a great plan. I don't know what Casey's doing in there. I would understand if he was in the lab taking pictures, like trying to like figure out what her process is and taking images of her process so they can study them later. But all he's doing is looking at her test tubes and fiddling with stuff. And I'm like, what are you gaining from this? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're here for literally 30 seconds. Take pictures. Don't just poke at stuff. That's not teach. So I don't think the plan's great. Um, it just feels like a plot device. Alice believing KC and leaving the lab. I don't know. I don't feel like that's something she'd do. I, I don't think she'd ever let KC guard it. Right, <laughs> stay here. Like what? You've already decided you don't trust this kid. You don't like him. You know. Again, it's, it's everything about it. It's fine. It does what it has to do, but it just feels like something that has to happen so that the next plot point can go forward. That's all. And so it, it's not impressive, but it works, I guess. Right. Right. It would have made so much more sense if she would have asked anyone else to just watch it for a moment, you know, or just tell KC to go get Lex for her then, if it's that urgent. Yeah, I I can't see her wandering off to go see Lex like this, under this situation. She's not that desperate. This is one of those situations where I just feel like the characters are doing what the plot needs them to do, and it's fine. Like I said, it, it does the job. It's just not really impressive. It's like, okay. Fine. Yeah, they're make they they're trying to make her seem desperate for Lex in this moment, and that's just I hate that. Right. That's what annoys me most about it. This not even that she left KC there, but that they make her seem so desperate to be with Lex that they would let her leave her post when it's something that goes against everything Alice would normally do. It even work because Alice hasn't shown any interest in Lex yet. Mm-hmm. Like when she says things like Lexi baby, she's just teasing. She's not, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like, it doesn't even work if that's what they were going for. Cause she hasn't shown an actual interest in Lex. So why would she be so desperate to speak to him mm-hmm. that she proposed, you know, like maybe later, but not right now. Um, right. Right. Am I the only one that kind of like feels like Casey and Lex are like a really bad cartoon like in a sense they get into their everyday things like devious things like oh we're gonna get rich we're gonna get like a a scam going and it plays out the same way every single time (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's just um i don't know it's 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 kind of a little bit is it's a little kind of sad just to see casey snooping around and trying to follow lexus scheme in a grand sense because again i'm sure he probably probably wouldn't be doing this if he just had uh maybe if he picked a better role model or if bray wasn't so mean to him to to the fact maybe he could have been his role model it feels like busy work Mm -hmm. 
Like it's busy work that serves a purpose and makes sense for the characters, but it still just feels like busy work, you know? Right. Like we need to give these guys something to do. What would they be doing in the background? And we need, you know, to push Tysan into a position where she has to tell everybody or tell someone mm-hmm. um, about the end. So why don't we just have them do something really stupid? And that's it. That's what it just feels like to me. It's just housekeeping in the writing. Oh yeah. You know, and, and, and again, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just, it's fine. <laughs> it just, mm-hmm. I guess it works, but I'm not impressed with the storyline. <laughs> I'm going to jump on the it's bad bandwagon because <laughs> no, um, no offense to Robin, but um, yeah, that was quite a bad scene, I thought. Um, Alice would never left a post like that. The one saving grace, I do like how she kept the key and laughed in his face. That <laughs> that was nice. That was Alice. But the rest, she wouldn't have left it. She wouldn't have left it. Simple as that. She would not have left the scene because of what Casey said. And then what, the other weird thing was that how the lab somehow locked itself after he left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even open the door. That was... He yeah, didn't even lock it. What happened there. <laughs> okay, whatever. So I said, it's like it's serviceable, but it's not uh, well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, this is going back to like GCSC science, but like when you turn on a Bunsen burner, you can hear the hissing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How she could not hear that? Uh, yeah, it's such mm-hmm. an annoying sound. It's, yeah, it's very distinct. You, like the more I know, everyone's downstairs getting the antidote, but you can hear that. You, it's not a sound you can't hear. Mm-hmm. That's true. Not to mention, you have to remember where her lab is in uh, the footprint of the mall. She's the furthest away from the grill. You know what I mean? It is very quiet in that part of yeah. the mall. You know, so <laughs> she would have heard it. She would have. She definitely would have heard the hissing of that thing. Um, but again, it's just like Casey doesn't do anything in there that makes any sense. His only role was to get in there and turn on that Bunsen burner and then immediately have to run out, you know? Um, so it's just, okay, just a plot device. Get us from here to there. Actually, yeah, the other, the other thing that kind of spirals on for that, obviously we have to assume that he got a photograph of the third missing ingredient. Like, were you, anyone disappointed that that wasn't explored more? Or That's what they, I, you know what? <laughs> if I think too hard about the fact that this thing is made from three different ingredients, my head is going to blow up. So I leave. <laughs> Yeah, they're idiots. And then they pick them anyway. I'm sure everyone should know what the ingredients are. It's just in what quantity. No, she's, uh, she's picking the last one herself. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's just, again, plot device. That's all it is. <laughs> Which is very strange at this point in time because everyone knows Tyson is the one <laughs> who makes this stuff. If she's taking guards, those guards would know what she's picking right. or what it looks like. You know. You know what? If they, I'm not saying maybe Bray wouldn't have done it or not, but if they would have went, if Casey and Lex would have went to Bray and said, hey, we need to know what that third ingredient is because it's a safety hazard. If something happens to mm-hmm. Tyson, then we can all be at risk. And I think Bray, being a, a, a decent leader, he would have been like, you know what? That makes sense. But I can't encourage spying on Tyson or whatever. So if you get caught, you know, don't look, don't look for me to bail you out. I, I can't see him mm. saying that. But I totally get, think that conversation could have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I do think it should have happened. Um, but again, it can't be Lex bringing it up because, 
again, because people don't trust Lex, even when he is making sense, they assume the worst of his motivations because they're usually right about that. So they don't listen to him. You know, I do think there should have been an intelligent conversation among people about the fact, well, if she is the only one who knows this, what happens if she gets hurt or whatever? But um, I'm actually surprised they didn't have that conversation the moment he got sick. Um, I guess they were just figuring it's like Ellie said, they have the antidote. So they just don't care anymore. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's fine. She, if even if she's sick, we can fix that. So it's not a big deal. And um, it's not until she almost dies from an explosion that they're like, oh, wait, there's other ways she could get hurt, you know? (laughs) (laughs) She got blown up. (laughs) Back in the government building, Jack and Ellie are close to giving up on their search for answers to the origin of the virus when they suddenly discover an unraveled video. Thinking it could provide clues to whatever was being covered up, they take it back to the mall and attempt to wind it back onto the cassette. But Danny has taken a sudden interest in what they are doing and doesn't seem happy. So yeah, panel, just trying to remember, thinking back, when you originally watched it, did you pick up on the clues that the way she was acting was very suspicious? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was so obvious. (laughs) I didn't know what she was hiding. But with things like this, it became clearer and clearer that she really did not want them looking into what happened. I didn't know why, but... It was clear that she didn't want them to find out. Mm-hmm. That was an instant red flag because it's one thing for people to simply not care where the virus came from and to be indifferent mm-hmm. or even to tell Ellie and Jack that what they're doing is pointless. Like that's what you'd expect from most people because they just don't care. They're uninterested. They're indifferent. But she not only cares, but she doesn't want them to look into it. And it's like, why would that be? What do you know? What are you hiding? And since I had, again, simultaneously watching season three and this one at the same time, and I knew Danny, she just wasn't in season three. I didn't see her. I'm like, where is this girl? So at this point, I was like, ooh, Danny, a bad guy. <laughs> What's going to happen with this girl? You know, um, I immediately started to suspect her. I'm like, yeah, she showed up out of nowhere. She's obsessed with this antidote. She wants to take over. And she doesn't want anyone to find out where it came from. That's too many red flags, girl. Too many. Mm-hmm. I think when I first watched it, I was like super annoyed and frustrated because already, I mean, eight episodes in, I didn't like her character. Uh, I believe she was a replacement. And from the fact that now it's filled my head that she might be hiding something from the tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, again, it's red flags. And I was telling myself like, oh, Danny, you better hope we do not find out that you're hiding something that endangers the tribe. Because at that point, I don't know. They just need to kick her out. <laughs> but it's like the first real interesting thing about Danny. Because at this point, she's just this girl who showed up and is filling Amber's shoes. And it's just like, you either like her or you don't. But she's actually kind of boring, you know? It's just like, okay, she's, mm-hmm. I guess she's just a nice girl who wants to help. All right, Amber, point two, you know? Um, so the minute she shows us, like, a red flag of maybe there's something not right about her. She gets interesting. I'll give her that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Maybe you aren't just a, a soft shoe. Um, I don't know, doughy replacement. Maybe there's actually going to be something interesting about you that makes you stand out. Bring it. I want to see what this is. Give me another reason to hate you. I'm for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, if any other character would have behaved that way, I would have just thought, okay, they just feel someone like Celine feels severely traumatized by what happened, doesn't want to know if it could have been prevented, you know? 
But from Danny, it's so obvious that it's not due to not wanting to know. Because he always wants to know everything. So it's really strange that he does not want them to know this. Which means he already knows what's going on. Right, right. And you can kind of tell that episode, like throughout the whole day, she was looking kind of annoyed. That that little scene she had with Bray, that was kind of weird. <laughs> Mm-hmm. when he when he gave her like a, a gift or whatever she kind of had a look on her face that she's like hey uh you're coming on a little too strong <laughs> save it for someone who's worth it yeah or someone who'll be here for season three <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> i do like uh how danny's reaction mirror is something that jack had said to ellie last episode i believe it was when he tells her, what if we don't like the answer we get? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've been getting little breadcrumbs about that, too, that the answer to this isn't going to make people feel good. It's not going to give you a sense of resolution. You know, um, it's going to be upsetting. So I like that. You know, not only has we had a couple of characters mention that they don't want to know, maybe we won't like hearing what we find out. And then here's Danny, who seriously doesn't want them to know. And it's like, what made the virus? We got to get to the bottom of this. You know, mm-hmm. what, where did this come from? I was immediately thinking government project went bad, maybe military or something. That was my first thought. Like, they're always making deadly viruses to use in warfare. So why wouldn't this be the case? And it just backfired on us. You, you know what I thought where it came from? Because I immediately actually just got done watching that dustin hoffman movie outbreak mm-hmm. <laughs> i thought it came from like a monkey <laughs> well again in that movie they explore the fact that this stuff had come out before our government hit it and mm, still had the stuff true. on tap for pete's sake you know what i mean mm-hmm. very true and yeah well, um <laughs> what did everyone feel about um jack and ellie getting closer and the little scenes they had together cute it's a nice building. At this point in time, I like them together. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this is, yeah. This is the start of the second greatest relationship ever in the Tribe series. The first being Jack and, and Dale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like the conversations they have. They're very intelligent, very interesting. I tell you a lot about who they are. Um, I like it's a it's a much more healthy way of challenging each other compared to him and Dal. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I like how Ellie is sparring with Jack, where um, Dal was far more likely to lean against the ropes and let Jack punch himself out, unless Jack, you know, broke a rule in the game, and then Dal would be like, "All right, that's it," and he'd have to knock him back and give him a good jab or something, and, and Jack would be like, "Oh, sorry, it came to my senses." And I like how Ellie's laying, laying the groundwork from the very start. I won't be your sidekick. The mm-hmm. relationship you had with Dal isn't the one you're going to be having with me. I have higher expectations. I'm looking for a partnership. And I really do like that's how the conversation, you know, shows that this is what's going to come down the line with Ellie and Jack. Even if they were only friends, it would definitely be a more equal footing than he has with anybody else, you know. And you can see Jack's fascination with that. Um, while she's willing to put up with Jack in the same way Dal was, she still has a, like a line in the sand of, that Jack can't cross. Like, hey, 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 you know, I get that you're abrasive, but you're still going to treat me with respect, okay? <laughs> and Jack's like, oh, oh okay. Um, okay, so you like me as I am, but you just, you know, I have to behave. That's fine. Okay, mm-hmm. I can do that. And I like that about them. Very egalitarian. I just love it when Ellie just 
keeps pointing out that Jack is being a bit of a, well, no, anti-feminist? Anti-show, uh, male chauvinist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 I love season two, Ellie. She's fantastic in this one. By watching it again, I'm actually starting to appreciate her again. Tyson, leave me alone. Tyson, I'm serious. You've got to come out. Tyson! Tyson, I can smell gas! Tyson, come out! So back at the mall, angry at Alice for deserting her post, Tyson returns to work, unable to trust anyone else to protect the lab. However, since she's unable to smell due to her illness, she doesn't realise that Casey's left the gas on and Alice's warning comes a little too late to prevent the resulting explosion. So panel, uh, yeah, first of all, did anyone feel that her anger at Alice was justified? It felt just like the stupid plotline with Casey and Lex. Like, it just has to be here, so the plot will move forward. Mm-hmm. She was uh, acting like such a sulky little child. And even a character. Yeah. And even when Alice just called out to her with something's wrong, she just kept on ignoring her. <laughs> because Alice shouted that she could smell gas before Tysan even struck that match. I know, like, if someone's shouting gas, you, you, who won't you? <laughs> even if you're that mad at them, with a, I'm ignoring you. Showing us that she can, mm. she's usually like this, or this is how she deals with her emotions. You know what I mean? So that feels out of character. It, it just feels like, oh, we need Tysan to have a reason not to listen to Alice's warning. So we'll have her be super mad at her over <laughs> this. Like, out of character mad at her so that she's refusing to listen to Alice. And I'm just like, okay, I guess it got you where you needed to go. <laughs> she's acting truly level annoyed. Without a good reason for it. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is, all right, I've never seen you react this way over such a minor mistake, but mm. fine, fine. Well, I'll tell you what, I am grateful for this scene because memory loss Tysan is the best Tysan. She's nicer. She doesn't complain. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like less spiritual and like what she was. Yeah. She's like a decent person. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's fantastic that we can get that kind of Tysan. I don't agree. I feel like she's, you know, Tysan is a decent person. Um, I understand that she's confusing to people, but I grew up with people like Tysan, so she doesn't seem that weird to me. Um, all the things that she does, um, like you guys will say, how does she do this? And I'm like, I grew up with people who do this. So it seems very normal to me. And, um, so sometimes I feel just a little like you guys leave her alone. She's, she's a decent human being. She's not evil. (laughs) She's not diabolical. Um, be nice to her. Come on. Just can you cut her a break? Like for one episode, guys, (laughs) just a little bit. Never, no. No. <laughs> I'm going to remember this. I'm going to remember this. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to ask you to be nicer about evil chosen people. You should remember it. Ask Casey to take a picture of it for you. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> alright, Felicia. I got you. So yeah, the explosion itself, like, what did people think was going to happen? I thought she was dead. <laughs> Or at least severely burned. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, that we, was my first thought. She must be dead. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, she killed another cast member this fast. <laughs> she should be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
because it, it was so obvious that this was what was going to happen the moment we saw KC fiddling with that burner. And that like flash fire was huge. So like you you burn badly disfigured or something. Blinded, blinded at the very least. Yeah, <laughs> I did like the effect. Even if I thought the storyline was a little like, okay, I recognize what you guys are doing. I thought the effects was nice. Like, mm. that looked like a really nice explosion. I'll give them yeah. that. Yeah, good practical wow. effects. Good fire stunt, you guys. I like that. Old one. Especially since you just killed two people in an explosion. <laughs> like, eight episodes ago. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah! Wow. Those, those practical effects. <laughs> oh boy, they were. This is like they're like we we weren't able to show what happened on Eagle Mountain, so so we're gonna play with fire now. We got a bigger budget now. Let's do this, and <laughs> that's crazy. I liked um Alice's acting, like her mm-hmm. frantic cry for Tyson, just that desperate Tyson. I smell gas, Tyson. Please listen to me. You know, I know you're mad, but I, I thought that was really well handled too. Like the acting was good. I was actually surprised that Alice didn't kick the door down. Probably just didn't think of it fast enough. You know, you're mm. panicking in that moment. Yeah. Also, when I first watched this scene and I saw that Tyson Ty blew up, immediately I was like, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I love how they set up the fact that she wouldn't be able to smell the gas, though. That was smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I was, my first thought was, why can't she smell that? You know? And then I was like, oh, she's still not feeling well. She's not even supposed to be out of bed. Her and Alice just had this conversation. And of course, she's like, oh, you know, if you want me to stay in bed, you better keep your eye on me, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that was really smart. And she's in there. Literally, she doesn't smell it because she can't smell. Mm-hmm. That's so funny you say that because she was like smelling ground coffee a little bit earlier, which was a little weird. Don't think but, about it. Yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> she was probably trying to smell it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm still not getting anything. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, probably. Betsy! What's wrong? Jenny! Brady! <sighs> okay, that brings us to our final thoughts of the episodes. So, looking for a way out from Ebony's thumb, Patsy succeeds in landing the job as Brady's childminder. Whilst on the trip outside, however, Brady is taken by the Chosen, who have been watching them all throughout the episode. So, panel, yeah, what did you make of the dramatic ending, and what do you think the fallout from this could be? Brady! No! They took Brady! I was... yeah. <laughs> of all the things I expected to happen, I will admit, this is not one of them. I never thought Brady was going to be put in any kind of danger. You know, I I was, oh my gosh, this is just a nightmare. I felt bad for everyone involved at this moment. And it was just this moment of helplessness when the you see the empty pram and knowing that who, who how are you going to find this kid? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it just hit me all at once. Like where, who, who would take her? Because I still, I'm dumb. I didn't make the connection between the Chosen and Brady. I knew someone was spying on them. I knew... But I didn't, I didn't connect it with Brady. I'm an idiot. And um, I, yeah, I was just this shock of they went after the baby. I wasn't expecting that. I thought maybe, you know, something could happen to Patsy, you know, but the baby. Oh, my word. No, you can't do anything to the baby. <laughs> How do you get the baby back? Oh, she can't even help herself. Ooh, that was actually a genuinely frightening moment of horror, I think. Yeah. The show captures. 
just real life horror. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I rewatch season two, I always hate to watch this episode or especially the ending just when Brady gets kidnapped and seeing uh, uh, Trudy in such a state. Uh, yeah, it's not really that fun to watch, but it is again, it's, it's great acting mm-hmm. from the from from everybody. And uh, it is, but it breaks my heart every time. Yeah, it's yeah, so hard to watch. It's so hard to watch. And someone in the YouTube comments was saying this was all Trudy's fault because <laughs> she was too busy flirting with Bray. Um, um no, no uh, I, uh, I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to jump right in and defend her now because no, that was not. <laughs> she <laughs> was not doing flirting. Even if Trudy had been flirting, okay, which I don't think she was, um, that's not fair to blame her. She hired someone to take care of her child. The whole purpose was so that she could actually do something else. Okay, and mm-hmm. if you hire a babysitter or a nanny or someone to look after your kids, it's under with the understanding that you can take your eye off your child. You are entrusting them with your child's life, and that's the reason you hired them so you could get a freaking break and maybe hit on that guy that you haven't had the time for. And it's like, are you blaming every parent who goes out for an evening and leaves their children in the care of someone else? Oh, it's their fault. They shouldn't have gone anywhere. They were too busy not, you know, not watching their own kids. And it's like, Trudy had every right to believe her daughter would be safe because that's mm-hmm. why she asked Patsy to take care of her. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she didn't ask Patsy to babysit. Patsy volunteered. Okay, I want to clear. I'm not blaming Patsy, but I'm saying it's mm-hmm. certainly not Trudy's fault this happened. <laughs> like, uh, to the commenter, <laughs> as a mother... <laughs> <sighs> Step off with that. I don't think so. There must be someone without kids of their own. <clears throat> Trudy's allowed to get herself some play. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's true. I still don't know why she keeps going for Bray. Uh, she's in love with him. And I mean, even in this moment, she just tells him that he's just a very dear friend to her and that she feels bad that he's all alone. I think she's just trying to reconnect with him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hmm. That's what it felt like to me. Like, she's desperate to be close to him again. You know, um, she had a wonderful relationship with him. And yes, she was in love with him and she was childish about it. But it went pear-shaped and it was awful. And the two of them had to literally stay away from each other while they dealt with all those painful mm-hmm. feelings. And here's Trudy feeling healed and probably thinking, you know, Bray didn't come to me. He probably felt like he couldn't when he was mourning Amber. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just... I need to bridge the gap between us so that he knows I'm still here. I'm still his friend and I still care about him. And I don't like this distance between us anymore. And all the hurt feelings are gone. And she's taking the opportunity to reach out to him. And which makes this all so much more tragic because it's like Trudy's in a good place right now. Mm. And she's just trying to do something nice for herself. And then no plot's going to take a big dump on your happiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because he even mentions that he's finally in a good place. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, it what? Always seems, it always seems like whenever everything is going well, it seems like Trudy's about to suffer. Yeah. Exactly. Because she's I just not allowed her happiness. No. Yep. Um, right. It's always dump on her quite bad. Why? <laughs> it's like a State Farm commercial. This poor girl alone. <laughs> It's a well-orchestrated si- uh, scene, though. Really well mm-hmm. done. Very unexpected. I like. I knew someone was spying on them, and that this person heard them say they were going out. But um, I never thought. I just. I was too stupid. I just didn't think Brady was, 
in any danger. I was like, I wonder why they're... I should have figured it out. The framing of the shot. There's Brady in her pram alone. And then you see this person running in the background. I mm-hmm. didn't think they touched the baby. Uh, yeah. Just a bit before that, when they were still in the mall, and we see this cloaked person climbing down into the sewers. Yeah, I was just about to say. For a moment, for a moment there, I was really freaked out because that wasn't a chosen rope that person was wearing. That was a cloak was, similar to Zoot's. It was Zoot. It was a shot of Zoot the first yeah. time he came in the mall. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> my, my first instinct was, but that's Zoot. Is he still alive then? They reused a few shots in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but for me, it gave that moment of, is he still alive? I can see that. Oh, wait, is he going after the baby? That would have been cool, coming back for my kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm also sick and tired of the inconsistent security <laughs> at, at the mall, too. Because clearly someone should have been in the sewers guarding it or you know just somewhere those are ebony's boys they suck yeah they suck so bad i'm with i'm with trudy what's the point of letting these creeps in here if they don't actually protect us from anything Mm -hmm. like why aren't the sewers guarded or locked or something how was a stranger able to just come in the sewers oh that's simple if it was a chosen they would just go hey buddy i'm coming in i need to see ebony Mm mm-hmm but that's not what this person's clearly sneaking around. Mm-hmm. And no sign of yeah. anyone in that vicinity. So <sighs> I didn't understand the, the reason for that because he could have just walked through the front door and stayed at the back. There was no, yeah. I, I didn't understand why he had to come through the sewers. I think it's because Bob had been barking. Like mm-hmm. every time one of these people is following them all rats around, Bob notices them and barks. You know what I mean? So I get the sense that. Um, they didn't want to draw attention to themselves. Eventually, someone's going to be like, who's the dog barking at? You know what I mean? And as soon as mm-hmm. that happens, they disappear. They're like, oh, crap, I got the attention of the dog, you know? So it's probably why they tried to come in through the back. Mm. And that's why I struck when it was just Bray, Trudy, and Patsy out there with Brady. No Bob. Yeah, why didn't Bob go? Because Patsy's not big. on. She's not the one who spends time with Bob. It's always Chloe. Yeah. You see that. Chloe's the one who's much, cl- even though it's, Patsy's dog. Chloe's the one who's attached to Bob the most, and she's mm-hmm. the one who spends all her time with Bob. And uh, you know, it's Chloe who's out playing with him, out walking him, or Patsy's doing other stuff. You know. I always wondered about that. I wondered if was he truly Patsy's dog, or was he more Paul's dog? You know, mm-hmm. and maybe spending constant time with Bob is just something she does not want to do because she doesn't want. The constant reminder of a brother being gone. Mm, I just assumed it was the disinterest that many young kids may get about their pets after mm. a while. You know, she's at an age where I completely buy her not being interested in playing with her dog. Where Chloe <laughs> has always had an affinity to animals, regardless. Mm. And she's tired of her responsibility. She wants to do something more grown up. You know, yeah, she wants to play with I gotta feed him again. <laughs> yeah, let's feed the baby instead. I do always love Antonio's acting because um, mm-hmm. I know it's a weird thing. I, whenever there's like an emergency scene, uh, it, when you, you have to look at people when they're running because that shows the urgency. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Antonio, she's flat out running. She's yeah. sprinting. Yeah. Just, it just, it's more authentic like rather than like when people are just kind of jogging. Even though you've heard like a, a, a mer- emergency scream, but she's like flat out running and it really sells the scene, if you see what I'm mm-hmm. saying. <laughs> 
That was exactly yeah. what I was thinking when I watched it. I'm like, that is the run of a mother who is concerned. Uh-huh. It is. And I just love that quiet gasp. Brady, you know what I mean? Like, you can't even bring yourself to shout in that moment. Your your voice is stuck in your throat. Because mm-hmm. this is the worst fear you could ever have. That empty pram. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. contrasting that look on her face from the woman she just had as she's smiling at her friend, trying mm-hmm. to reconnect with him, you know, hoping for a future, letting him know I'm here for you, you know, and I want to get close to you again. And maybe we can start fresh and stuff. And just having that ripped from her mm-hmm. in that moment, I'm just like, come on. <laughs> Right. Oh, it crushed me. I loved Sarah Major did a good job too. Like her mm-hmm. reaction, the way she screamed, she's screaming for Trudy. That helplessness of is not what you're expecting to happen. You're a child and you thought the baby was safe, you know, and you took your eyes off her to get some flowers. And oh my gosh, you don't know what to do. What is the first mm-hmm. thing Patsy does? She screams for the grown ups in her life. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do, you know. And oh my gosh, it's it makes up for the explosion scene Mm -hmm. like that's necessary but it's not very well written this is incredibly written well acted and um great way to leave the episode they took the baby they took the damn baby yeah and it sets up for in my opinion a top five uh classic trudy the moody moment for the beginning of next episode I don't think Moody is the proper word to describe (laughs) a parent whose child has just been kidnapped. She's technically Moody. No. It's justified. It's justified. Baby's just been taken. I think that undercuts the feeling. um, (laughs) No, Moody does not describe that. It's not how it's not how it's described, but that's how everyone in the tribe will be describing it once it's happening. No. <laughs> we'll talk about them dill holes next week. Mm-hmm. I have a lot to say about the other people. That they're mean. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they hurt my tree. Mm. Good episode. I love the way it ends, and my heart was in my throat. Yeah, I feel I feel bad for Patsy. You know, I've been a young person having to take care of children mm-hmm. and you're doing fine, but you're still a kid, you know, so you don't always make the best choices and a little accident like this can happen to a small child in your care and um, you feel terrible. You don't know what to do, you know, and I, I just to feel this is I feel bad for everyone across the board in this moment. I mean, this is horrifying. I didn't know what the fallout was going to be, but this is just everyone's worst nightmare. And I just felt so bad for Trudy because it's like she took that chance to do something nice for herself. Mm-hmm. And this is why people don't like to leave their kids with anyone because you don't believe anyone will ever watch or care for them as strongly as you will. And mm-hmm. and when you take care of someone else's kid, your worst nightmare is something happening to that kid on your watch. You know, like, okay, you're entrusting yeah. me with your kids, so I got to do this. And. And then, of course, Bray staring at the empty pram of his niece, who he barely acknowledges, but now she's gone, you know, and mm-hmm. it happened that quick. It happens that quick. I remember my first response to this scene, because I was taking care of a child Brady's age back then, and just after watching the scene, I just, there were months where I could not let her out of my sight for even a second, because it freaked me out so much. It definitely is yeah. kind of traumatizing, I think. It definitely has the potential to be that. 
for viewers. And then years later, I'm just freaking out on Trudy's behalf. And um, just to wrap up, yeah, uh, what did people think The Chosen were ultimately going to do with Brady? Mm, remember, I was a dumbass. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't connect The Chosen at first. That's so stupid. <laughs> I did connect The Chosen. Yeah, I didn't I, think it was The Chosen either. I did think it was The Chosen, but I just wasn't sure because, well, they had no issue letting people die from the virus, and I was afraid they were going to sacrifice her. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I thought it was just another lunatic that was willing to uh, kind of trade uh, Brady's life for the for the antidote. Yeah, I can see that. Even though mm -hmm. they're giving it away for free, and they're already yeah, exactly. at the mall, so why would they <laughs> trade? That doesn't make any sense. Nope. It doesn't, but that's what Ebony was doing. <laughs> no, she was going to trade the baby for the formula. No, no, but she was, um, she, but she, she told Bray that she wants it too, so she can make a profit out of it. Yeah, she like, wanted the would, formula. Why would anyone want it? She, yeah, she wants the formula, not the antidote, because she can get the antidote. She wants the formula. That's mm -hmm. the, yeah, formula. I mean, formula. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. I could see someone trying to do that. But yeah, I think on first watching it, I just really assumed that Zoot had something to do with it because of that one stupid reused shot. <laughs> yeah season two it's either season two or season four that's like the king of reuse shots <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry i'm just thinking of all the reuse shots in season four <laughs> yeah the cat makes another uh reappearance if i have to see that black <laughs> van again one more time <laughs> just stay away from black fans that brings series two episode eight to a close thank you very much to the panel and if you'd like to take part in a future episode of the podcast then you can you can fill out a form over on our website thetribe.co.uk or send us a message over on our facebook page so we'll see you next time for episode nine until then bye bye later bye